This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. It's Native American Heritage Month, a time to honor our vibrant Native communities and look toward Indigenous futures. So we're talking with an artist who has carved out space to celebrate these contributions year-round through the Ties Poetry Series. It's an open mic and reading series centered around Indigenous queer, trans, and two-spirit writers. We spoke with one of the creators of the series, River Ian Kerstetter, about the group and her own artistic journey. River is a queer artist of mixed European and Indigenous heritage who uses she and they pronouns. They're a citizen of the Oneida Nation of Wisconsin and part of the Turtle Clan. I started off by asking River about the first space where she felt fully seen in both her queer and Indigenous identities. Here's River. Growing up, I knew other queer people. I knew other Indigenous people, but... It was in um, college at the University of um, New Mexico in Albuquerque. And I went to, um, just on a whim, to a performance night for queer indigenous folks. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and that was the first time I was like, whoa, there's like other people who are like me, you know. You said you went on a whim. I mean, tell me more about what made you decide, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get on stage and put it all out there. Oh, I wasn't on stage. I was on in the audience. Oh, night. you were in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was spectating. So I was like, I'll check this out. I yeah. see. Well, that was still a first step, right? Yeah, it was. So I mentioned you co-founded Ties Poetry, which is an open mic and reading space for the queer Native community here in Chicago. What later pushed you to create Ties? Yeah, Ties came from moving to Chicago and you know meeting other queer Indigenous folks and having that very similar um, experience of, you know, feeling, you know, separated from our, from each other sometimes. And Chicago is a big city. There's a lot of Native folks. There's a lot of queer folks. But there's not a lot of those spaces for both. And so me and my good friend Patrick Del Percio were like, let's just create a space. You know, we don't have one already. Let's just make it ourselves. Yeah. So what has ties meant to you then? It's been really special. I mean, I've met some amazing folks both here and nationally because we've had some people fly in. We've had virtual readings. So mm-hmm. we've gotten to connect with people all, all over. Um, and it's just it's been really special to just like build that community and and meet other folks and just be like, you know, let's support each other. Yeah. I want to hear more about your creative side. What or or who would you say got you started with making art? Mm. Yeah, I have a, I have a lot of artists in my family. Um, really? Yeah, both on my my native side and my non-native side. My, it's in the blood. Yes, <laughs> my mom's an artist. My you know cousins, aunts are artists, and my grandma, um, who is Oneida, um, no longer with us, but she was a an artist. She was a traditional Oneida potter. Rose Kerstetter, um, she was 
of her generation, uh, part, one of a few artists who brought back our pottery traditions. And she always was like, if you like art, if you, you know, are good at it or you want to know more, she she pushed me and my cousins to pursue that. That's incredible. I mean, so now if you think about it, you and your cousins, you're, you're now part of that artistic legacy. Yes. Yeah. How does that feel? <laughs> or does it's, that put some pressure? It's it's really humbling, you yeah. know, because sometimes it can feel like Ugh, I'm an artist and this is hard <laughs> um, trying to, you know, make it. Um, yeah, not easy being an artist. Yeah, but when I, you know, I have to remember, like, it's this is a legacy, and I'm, you know, I'm not just like the first one to try to do this in my family. So um, it means a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, help us understand what's the relationship between Oneida culture and art. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, from what I have learned from my family, my my grandma and other artists, I think. You know, in settler colonial culture, uh, American culture, since the Renaissance, art has been often relegated to like luxury or just entertainment, right? And I think in many indigenous cultures, Oneida included, art is more than just entertainment. It's, it's and it's not a luxury. It's well, it is in the sense that it's special, but it's mm-hmm. not in the sense that it's for everyone. Um, it's for storytelling, it's for keeping our histories, our laws, you know, many indigenous languages, including Oneida, were not written before, co- before European contact. And so yeah. art was one of the ways of keeping those histories alive. alive exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Art can also be a way to resist colonization and assimilation, right? So what has that meant for your own work? Yeah, I mean... With with my grandma, it was like, you know, she realized that we had started to lose our pottery traditions um, as, you know, mass-produced um, metal cooking containers replaced our pottery. And so that was her resistance, which was, you know, really inspiring to me. And for me, I think claiming both my queerness and my indigeneity is really an important form of resistance. It's I wish it didn't have to be resistance, but it is. Yeah. Because those things are erased. And, you know, part of what happened and is happening during, you know, uh, U.S. colonization is the erasure of indigenous um, ways of thinking about gender and, you know, community um, in ways that I think just being a queer, trans, or two-spirit indigenous person is resistance against that. For those who may not be familiar, you mentioned two-spirit there. Mm-hmm. Tell us more. Yeah, um, I, I'm i not the expert, but two-spirit is an English word that was inspired by a Native word coined in the 90s mm-hmm. um, by Indigenous, queer, and trans folks to name some of our, um, when I say us, I mean Native people all across the, the hemisphere, but to name some of our gender roles or orientations or community roles that don't necessarily fit European ideas of, you know, homosexual, heterosexual, transgender, cisgender. Um, so it's kind of a catch-all. Yeah. And not every queer Indigenous person is two-spirit. Um, I, you know, don't always use that word for myself, but um, that's kind of the background of that word. Yeah. yeah. The ties is open. 
to folks who do use the word. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So looking forward, River, I mean, there's there's been this movement around indigenous futurism, right? Mm-hmm. It's been gaining a lot of traction. But tell us what indigenous future you want. Yeah, I... Indigenous futurism, as in the name might imply, owes a lot to Afrofuturism. And just like Afrofuturism, it kind of defined, defies uh, definition, right? Yeah. For me, I think just a future where Indigenous people are still here <laughs> is my Indigenous futurism and where our sovereignty, so our, our, you know, our ability to practice our traditions, practice our cultures, to evolve those cultures, to take care of the land and each other. That's the future that I think I, I dream of. Yeah. So you've got a poem for us, I understand. I do. Want to like read to some it? of it? Yes, yeah. please. So this poem is called Transsapphic Love Note Number 2, and I'll let it speak for itself. Girls like us wake each day to ring out yesterday's survived again. Touch up yesterday's don't F with me to face the city one more time. Girls like us say a prayer each morning to mom, to the girls, to the earth. It gets lonely, I know. I pray I catch your eye on the train. Can't help but notice your thunder rolling boots, the way your shoulders cup the sunlight. Your colors at once a defiance and a song. Could I be someone you wake up to? Someone to comb yesterday's misgivings from your hair and polish your shield until it gleams. Could I be someone you let beneath the armor to brush hair and knead yesterday, out from muscles tired of lifting, tired of shaking the cold off? Could I be there when you let it all down before the world gets between you and your light? Mm. Wow, love that. What's the inspiration? Um... Love. <laughs> love. And also just, yeah, love for my, my trans feminine sisters and mm-hmm. lovers and community. And um, yeah, I think, you know, this, this particular poem came from just like seeing other, a, a trans girl on the bus and being like, I don't know you. I'm not going to talk. I'm not I gonna, feel you. I'm not going to bother you on the bus, but I feel you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the girls like us gave me that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. How does collaboration factor into your artistic practice yeah it's really the the core of my practice I um, in art school I think we're taught we're often taught you know the, the model of becoming the solo artist and that really did not I didn't really didn't like that and for a long time I wasn't sure why and I think when I moved to Chicago from New Mexico and I started collaborating with people more um I realized, oh, this is what I love to do. I love having someone to respond to, um, someone to to lift up and feel, you know, supported by. Bounce ideas off of too, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You designed a book cover for one of your collaborators, H. Melt, and it reads, "There are trans people here." Mm. What does that mean to you when I say that? Yeah, I mean, similar to me talking about a future where there are just indigenous people still here. I think uh, that book and that cover that we worked on together, HML is a Chicago poet. Mm-hmm. Um, that book and the cover really 
kind of call speak to that for like trans people that trans people have always been here we are still here um what's the response been to this be piece here. um really good i mean it's that cover is maybe the visual work of mine that's the most uh like widely distributed and so i'll see it sometimes we'll see it in instagram posts of bookstores and stuff like that and it's it's wild and humbling and cool to see out in the world yeah, yeah. That is pretty cool to to see something that you worked on and something so personal mm. and um, the fact that so many people seemingly can resonate with it. Yeah. It's got to be rewarding. It is. It is because, you know, when we made it, we're like, yeah, we hope people will buy the book. People will appreciate the the cover and the, the poems, obviously. But seeing people appreciate it and share it and gift to the book or, you know. Yeah post about it online is really cool so you're collaborating with other creatives i mean how else are you finding community mm. and and then how do you sustain it yeah <laughs> it's a great question um i mean i'm i'm lucky enough to be i'm a uh collective member at 60 inches from center which is a chicago-based um, worker-led nonprofit that we do a lot of art publishing and it's a lot of great like-minded folks who are also, you know, in love with collaboration. So that has been, um, I've been there about a year and that's been really solid um, mm -hmm. foundation. But also just, I think, I mean, recently with things happening in the world, it can feel isolating to, to be grieving or to be, you know, to have questions about what's going on. And I've, found it really important just to reach out to other artists and mm. just, even if it's not making art, yeah, can we get together? And usually when arts get together, we end up making There's stuff some anyway. <laughs> so. Does Chicago's underground queer scene kind of help with some of those questions that you have? Yeah, definitely. And although that has looked different, I think over the seven years I've lived here, because when I first moved here, I was, you know, I was going to the club every weekend. I'm not going to lie. Um, and connecting to to other artists through kind of the nightlife scene. Now with the pandemic and getting older and not going out as much, yeah. um, a lot of a lot more of it is one on one or maybe online. Um, I've met some great artists that are creating um, like an uh, online space to to bounce ideas off of mm -hmm. or organize. We. Recent, I recently attended a art build for a pro-Palestine protest that was really good to connect with folks and, and make art for that. So it's it looks different, but definitely um, queer art and yeah, queer creative communities. Well, important. leave us with this. I mean, I mean, who do you hope to inspire, River, or, or mm. reach with your work? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, anyone who my work resonates with, but I think first and foremost, it's other queer, trans, and two-spirit indigenous folks. Yeah. They see you. <laughs> I hope so. That's River Ian Kerstetter, an artist and writer, as well as co-founder of Ties Poetry, an open mic for indigenous, queer, trans, and two-spirit writers. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, Sasha. This episode of Reset was produced by Max Lubers and edited by Dan Tucker and Ethan Schwab. If you enjoy our conversations, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. 
You can also find us in your inbox. We deliver a lovingly crafted newsletter every morning at 10 a.m. Sign up now at wbez.org slash reset news. That's it for Reset today. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Sasha Ann Simons. Have a great day. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.